BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, guys. My name is Sarah Nicole, and I am the host of the Papaya Podcast, where each week we dish out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom all through candid conversations in a very real and tangible way. I want everyone to know that they're not alone and that we share in these experiences called life. And sometimes when we get to know somebody else's story, it changes ours a little bit as well. So I want you to tune in with us on Mondays. Subscribe, rate and review it and keep these conversations going with us. You can tune in behind the scenes at the Papaya Podcast and the Birds Papaya on Instagram as well. Can't wait to see you next week. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick-Brown, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Welcome back to Real Pod, everybody. I'm fangirling, okay? I'll say it. I'm fangirling because our guest today is Hannah freaking Brown. I love her, okay? I watched her whole season of The Bachelorette. So did Max and my family. That was like the last era of prime Bachelor television, at least in my opinion. I have not watched any of the recent seasons. I'm very behind and have no plans to... um get back on board. But she just, I think she won America's hearts and she definitely went over my heart. I just thought she was cool, unapologetic. She was smart. She knew what she wanted. She was kind. She was funny. She was playful, just awesome. And so I've loved following her content and her journey ever since. She went on to win Dancing with the Stars, which is so baller, like she killed it. And she recently won Fox Special Forces, which is insane. Like I already thought she was cool. Now I just have mad respect for her. I watched that show because the athlete in me was truly living for it. And Fox Special Forces, if you're listening, I'd love to come on. Okay. I volunteer as tribute. So Hannah is safe to say a triple threat. And she just launched her own podcast called Better Tomorrow. I'm so happy for her. That's so exciting. I know she's going to bring some amazing interviews and conversations to the table. Love a fellow girly in the podcasting world. And I was honored to be interviewed on Hannah's podcast. And it was a really special interview. And 
if you enjoyed today, definitely go check out my interview on Better Tomorrow and obviously just check out Hannah's show in general. This girl is great. And if you love Real Pod, I think you're going to love Better Tomorrow. I'm so excited for you to hear today's conversation. It was just so good. We got so deep and Hannah is so introspective and you're going to love it. Before we get started, I want to give a quick shout out to Megan. What's up, Megan? Megan left a five-star review, said, best podcast. Love Vic. She's so real about life issues and everything we're all going through. Love her, real pod, and everything she brings. Feel like you're catching up with an old friend. Best part of my week. Uh, this is all that I ever want to elicit in a listener. That's a tongue twister. So Megan, thank you so much. I sincerely appreciate it. And just so you know, it also feels like I'm catching up with my friends when I record. So the feelings are mutual. And thanks to each and every one of you who tune in and listen every week. It means the world to me. And if you want to leave a rating or a review, you just might be the special shout out on next week's episode. So without further ado, we're going to get started and dive in to this interview with Alabama Hannah, Miss Hannah Brown. Hannah, welcome to Real Pod. I know you've been on many podcasts. You just launched your own. Yeah, I mean, you'll have to give me all your tips, tricks, things not to do because I'm a newbie. I'm so excited to have a podcast, but it's also a new thing. Anytime you start something new, I think there's nerves and, oh gosh, what if I don't know what I'm doing. Why am I doing this? Can I do this? And you just moved, right? So are you in your new Nashville home? I am in the new Nashville home. I love it so much. Me and my boyfriend, we moved here together. And I I loved my time in California. Like genuinely so sad to leave. But then I got here. I'm like, oh, this feels like home. I know you. we hear the stories so many times of people being like, I couldn't live in LA forever. I currently live in LA. I like it, but I definitely... I don't know. I have those thoughts too, but I'm a California girl. So I don't have like a home to go back to, you know? I didn't know if it would be forever or not. I really am thankful for my season there. And I felt like I weirdly, like, I don't want to say like found myself, but really got down to like who I am. It was very, I associate being in Santa Monica as a very pivotal time in my life. I mean, I moved from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I went to school at the University of Alabama. That's where I'm from. And that was a 15-minute drive away from home. So from there, Santa Monica, California was my first time to really move. And it was a big move and very different. So I guess I I don't know. I'm not one of those people that like move away and like, ugh, LA sucks. I mean, yes, it's hard. I think it's a hard city to live in. But I think that's where you can grow. So I'm glad I'm left at this season of my life, but I, I did love it. What made it so pivotal for you or such a time of growth? Oh, gosh. I mean, I was on a few TV shows and after Bachelorette and I did Dancing with the Stars, like I was <laughs> severely not okay. <laughs> I can kind of like laugh and say that now, but I didn't want to go back home. I was almost like embarrassed to go back home. Now, that sounds so weird. I didn't want people to ask me how I was or how I was doing. So I decided, well, I'm just not going to go back. I'm just going to stay here. So I moved to Los Angeles, like kind of right in that time because I was doing Dates with the Stars. So I needed to be there, but honestly, like did not go back home. And then it was COVID. And the reason I was home for that in the first place was my brother had like addiction issues and had an overdose. And 
he's fine. But that's what got me back home anyway. And so I was there for a few months and that was not good for me. So after that, I kind of like hit rock bottom for sure. I was not taking care of my mental health at all. I didn't really know the tools and like resources for that. And in that rock bottom, I finally started going to therapy and, and my therapist and I just really both believed I needed to go back and do my own thing and not live with my parents. I love my family, but like we need that distance and I needed that. And so moving back that time was really me starting to like figure my crap out. I feel like I've just grown so much from that time of like hitting rock bottom and then just being like, you know what? I'm just going to go out here anyway. I have no idea what I'm going to do in my life. I don't have any friends really here, but I'm just going to take the jump. And it was the best thing I did. It's so interesting to hear you use the term rock bottom when a lot of people would think you were just the bachelorette. You just won Dancing with the Stars. Like that's what people would associate with the peak. And yet your feelings were the complete opposite. I mean, did that surprise you? Yeah, definitely. But I think for COVID, like a lot of things like happened in my life, like very like back to back to back and all of that. I hadn't really processed it's like, oh, now everybody knows who I am, like knows very de- like intimate details of my life. I found myself in this place. I don't really fully understand how I got here. And then just having a lot of other personal stuff go on and making mistakes and just not making the best choices to kind of find myself where I would have never thought because I feel like I lived like a very like straight and narrow path. And I'm like, what did I just do to my life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even like it blew up in all ways, like good and bad. And I had some like really cool moments and like accomplished goals. I didn't even know I could have. And in that time I did, I felt super empty because I just wasn't okay. Mentally. I didn't know how to process everything that had happened in such a short amount of time. Your feelings of like, what did I just do is fascinating to me because I was actually just listening to Kelly Clarkson on a podcast and she was saying how after American Idol and all this hype, she recalled this moment. She was in a bathroom and she was like, there's no undoing that. Like anytime I go into a CVS, anytime I go into a mall, like this is my one life and I am now a public figure. I think about this a lot because like, even with like Alex Earl, just, you know, rising to fame and being so well known, a part of me who's a content creator sees that. And of course, like is, is maybe envious and, oh, I wish I popped off and everybody who had millions and millions of views But then I think a more realistic part of me is like, I genuinely don't want fame like that. I don't. But I feel like you are, I think, farther past, like more well-known than not, but also not fully in the like, I don't know, like a Taylor Swift, but enough that you probably can't go to any restaurant and think, I mean, have you ever been to a restaurant and people don't know who you are? There's certain people that don't know who I am. Right. But But you probably, you hear the whispers and the like Snapchats in the corner. Yeah, definitely. I would say, I I think I block it out, but like Adam or any of my friends will be like, oh my gosh, did you like notice that? I'm like, I I think I just not as present. I definitely noticed that it was messing with me knowing that people were like watching me and like, yeah, I can still go out and do anything. It's not like, like you said, like a Taylor Swift or like a true like, celebrity where you just like can't really go out in public. Like I still like live my life so normal, but with that comes people being like, wait, 
that you or taking your picture weirdly when it's like, I definitely see you. Right. Are you ever tempted to just be like, no, but I get that a lot. Thanks. I look just like her. <laughs> I had, I did that one time, but I'm such a bad liar. I tried it for like a little bit and then I had to be like, no, it's me. That's yeah, just I did the, it once. The, t- the town that you were in was like, no, that's just the girl that looks like Hannah Brown and everyone just let you go. <laughs> no, I, I tried it one time. I was like, yeah, I get told that like all the time. And they're like, yeah, I mean, like, it's crazy how much y'all look alike. And I'm like, I know I get it. I haven't really watched her, but people just always come up to me. And then I just couldn't kind of go on with it. That's and so like, funny. Oh my gosh, I knew it. Like, <laughs> We're coming back from a holiday weekend. We're back to work, school. There's so much going on, right? And I oftentimes can feel fatigued, achy, get headaches, And that's why I love Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix, and it actually works. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. I'm not kidding you. When I take just a few sips of Element, I feel my body like reviving. And it is so important to make sure that our body has enough electrolytes. Electrolytes facilitate hundreds of functions in the body. Element can help prevent and eliminate headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, sleeplessness, and other common symptoms of electrolyte deficiency. Not to mention, now that I've been back on my workout grind, it is even more important that I am replenishing my electrolytes because... The primary electrolyte lost when you sweat is sodium. I mean, athletes can lose up to seven grams a day. So when I take my element, I'm getting my thousand milligrams of sodium back and it feels amazing. Element is also totally risk-free. So if you don't like it, you can get your money back. No questions asked. There's nothing to lose. So right now, Element is offering RealPod listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. And this is like the best way to try all eight flavors. My favorite flavor is raspberry. Like, oh my God, I live for the raspberry Element flavor. And you can try that flavor and get yours at drinkelement.com slash realpod. This deal is only available through my link. You must go to drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash realpod. You did say something, though, that I wanted to circle back on because it's almost like you read my mind, Hannah. You mentioned being in LA and then said, like, felt like you had no friends. So I walk this interesting tightrope because I feel like I don't even feel like I know I have the best girls in my life and I just got married and I have my whole wedding year. And, you know, on my bachelorette, I looked around and was like, I have 10 like quality people that I love. However, they don't live in this city. And so in this city, I don't have a big social life. I don't have someone I can just text. Like I literally drove to Chipotle last night and had dinner alone because I work from home and I went to therapy and then I, and then I was driving home. Like I don't want to just go sit at home again and wait for Max to come home. Like, why don't I just go get my dinner? But then I'm sitting there alone. Like, I feel like I'm way too much of a fun hang to be having dinner by myself. But then I don't even want to put the time into making friends because I already have them, but they're not here. (laughs) For sure. So all of my like people are still in Alabama, but I had just like pushed them aside, which my friends are the best because they also know that I'm kind of the worst at like, texting, responding in general. So they know that's just a part of me, but they also knew I was really struggling and they were there to support me through it all and just waiting. And I'm so grateful that I have friends like that, that just know who I am 
I wasn't probably the best friend in that time, but like they still like, that's when, you know, you have like a true friend that's like, I'm just waiting for you. Like, I know you're really struggling. How can I, I be here? So most of like those people were in Alabama, but they also knew that I, I didn't need to be living with my parents at that time. So going back to Los Angeles, like I said, I only knew like, like acquaintances and one of my best girlfriends from the show bachelor Heather lived in San Diego and I stayed with them for a little bit. And then she like stayed with me like the first week. Then I was alone. Oh my gosh. Like this kind of sucks. I did have an easy time. I don't know how I remember I just talked to my neighbors and I found people along the way, but like those like close friends, it's, that was really hard for me in Los Angeles. I got lucky. And one of my best friends was like a life coach. And we did like a YouTube video together. And they're like, wait, I don't want you to be my life coach. I want you to be like my best friend. So like, I had like a solid friend in Los Angeles, but I think it's really hard living there to like open yourself up to people because there's so many different motives. I think motives is such a good word. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not that like they don't want to be friends with you truly, but everybody's always working to get ahead and it can be really hard to build those like deep emotional relationships that I was used to with my friends Mm -hmm. that I thought would be there for me no matter what. And I didn't have to show just like the side that everybody wants to see. But one of the reasons that we didn't move was because we really wanted more community. You know, I had by the last year, I feel like I was finally starting to make like this group of, of friends, like core people. And I'm so glad that I still have that in Los Angeles when I go, but we really had a hard time finding like a community of people that would support us and that could be there for us no matter what. And it's so weird. Like we've had such an easier time now in Nashville, just meeting people that genuinely want to pour into us and vice versa. Like they don't want anything from me. I don't want anything from them just to like be surrounded by good people. Yeah. You like get out of Los Angeles and you're like, oh wait, this doesn't have to be as hard as it seems. (laughs) Cause it's, I was the same way. Like I also have tendencies to isolate myself anyway. I'm actually like super, super introverted. It's weird. Like I, I wanted friends in Los Angeles for sure, but I also loved that expansion of me that happened there of I'm okay to be alone. Like I'm okay in the season to be alone. And sometimes I'm going to eat down, you know, at a Chipotle and I'm going to be by myself and I'm kind of going to feel alone, but not be like lonely. Figuring that out was really empowering for me. Yes. And I think that that happened there. Yeah. And I, that hits for me. Like yesterday I called my best friend and we were on the phone and I was like, I wouldn't say like, I'm not going to cry about it. I just an awareness that I'm frequently by myself and it's like not what I would prefer, but I'm also fine and I'm introspective and I like to think, and I, I don't get embarrassed eating alone. Like similar to you, I definitely think Mm -hmm. I'm more extroverted, but I also like to be around people I can trust and not the idea of going to dinner with people I don't really know that well sounds terrible to me. I would never want to do that. Like I either know you and we can just not speak at dinner or I go alone. So I'm an introvert in that way. I think it's also interesting. And I, Max and I talk about it, but we do love being here and my family is here and family is important to me. And I know family is important. Yeah. Oh, 
Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. So I also like never want to live away from my family. We always joke. I know if I moved, my mom will be on a flight like the next day. So I'm like, (laughs) I know my mom would come, but I don't want to be away from my brother. So yeah. But anyways, I relate to what you're saying. I am curious too, when you started to go to therapy and seek help and realize like you were in this dark place, what were those first things you maybe learned about yourself? Mine was unique. I was trying to find a therapist for my brother because for his like recovery, if you, you have to have a therapist. And then I met this, this lady and she was like, you know, if you ever need therapy. Just let me know. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And of course, like my brother started working with her and then I kind of had like my rock bottom moment from just making poor decisions and not being in the best place. And it was like, okay, like I need somebody stat. So she was the only person I knew. And I, you know, kind of needed it immediately. And it was over Zoom. And I think there was no hiding that I needed help at that point, if that makes sense. Like, it wasn't like, what epiphany? It's like, oh, no, I'm like, fucked up. (laughs) You know, I'm not. Because you were in like a deep depression. Yeah. And I, yeah, COVID wasn't the best time for me. I had made just made some mistakes that really affected me of like, who I am and how I see myself. And it was hard because I was getting a lot of accountability, but then also hate of some stuff. And it just really affected my mental health. I mean, being an attack by millions of people has to do something to you that people can't experience unless they've been in that place. Yeah. And I think it was hard to talk about because I had made a mistake and I wanted to like be accountable for that. But in that, you can't say, oh, yeah, but I'm actually really hurting too. Like, I didn't feel like I was allowed to be upset or hurt because I put myself in that situation. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. And I just had never really in my life, I lived like such a straight and narrow, like as a child, like I just wanted to be the best and never had anything anybody could say about me. And then obviously I did this show and that was the first time, like, especially about like, having sex and like being openly about being a Christian, like that was the first time that I had the blow and some people saying things about me that I didn't feel were, were true. And then I made a mistake and yeah, people were, were really harsh in it in ways I needed to be held accountable, but it's still what it did to my psyche of, of like who I thought I was because I did live for like what other people thought about me. I really just, internally like closed up. Like I, I couldn't be on social media for it. Not just because of that. Like I still have like processing to do with my relationship with social media, with my relationship with like how I show up to people because it really made me become like a shell of a person. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't know who I am. And people are saying these things about me that I know we're not true, but it hurts that people think that about me or I've made them question my character. And yeah, I thought I was just in like true PTSD. I truly had PTSD from that and was not okay for a while. But like I said, didn't feel like I deserved to even talk about the way that I struggled Mm -hmm. after because people didn't care and valid for sure. But It was a really hard time for me, for sure. And I'm so thankful for my first therapist because we had to get to, okay, why why are you in this bad of 
mentally shape. And we had, you know, go back all the way to the beginning, which was crazy because then I was also writing my first book and I was like having for the first time, these like epiphanies about my life in therapy while I'm writing the book. And she like helped go along so that it was the most like authentic as possible because I was really in one of the deepest states of like healing every layer back. And I'm thankful that the book is kind of, there was no way to like sugarcoat. It It was like in the moment, how it felt. I'm allowed to change, but that was like a really special thing to be doing and just opening up and going through all the traumas. It was also a really freaking hard time Mm -hmm. um, to open up all those wounds so deeply. So yeah, that was my first experience of therapy. It was pretty intense. It sounds intense. And that's the truth of all of this, right? Like the the way that we act or show up in the present day, or you know, if we're a people pleaser or if we're insecure or we project, like a lot of that does root back to our childhood and our relationship with our parents or our siblings or the things that we were told about who we are, believed about who we are. You know, I've I've seen a common thread for you is that you were this pageant girl and you always had to smile. And like, now you're just stepping into this. I have a range of emotions and I don't always have to be that happy, pretty nice girl. And whenever mm-hmm. I do hear you talking about that, I'm like, yes, I'm like, <laughs> you can be, you know, yeah. anyone you want to be. And I, and I think that's another thing is you do have lots of people. A lot of us have the voice in our heads saying, you know, I'm a volleyball player or I'm a straight A student or I'm always the failure or I'm the fuck up or I'm the overachiever. But you have your own voice. And then the voices of other people looking at you and saying, you're my Christian role model or, you know, you're. Are they loving you because they're like sex positive? It's like polar opposite <laughs> things that people like me for sometimes. And it's like, well, who am I? Because I don't think I'm honestly what this person's wanting me to be or what this person wants to be. I'm kind of some, somewhere in the middle. And it's interesting you say like what you think of yourself as. And I, I just thought of myself as a good girl. Like I was, I was good girl. So I did everything. I made sure that everything I did was good. And then I'm labeled as bad. So what my mind's like, oh, you're a bad girl. You can't have that label of good. And it's like, no, I'm kind of in between. Like, just like there's no person that does everything right. And you're not actually living if that's all that you, you care about is what if people think that you're good or a role model. And like, I think it's great to aspire to be a role model. That's all I ever wanted to be growing up. I just wanted to be somebody that people could like look up to. I think that's great, but I think we need authentic role models Mm -hmm. and not just that's always in the back of your mind. Like, Oh, how can I be what I think a role model should be instead of just like living my life and knowing that I'm stepping into that authentic part of me. That's not good nor bad who's not like the perfect Christian girl is also not saying like have sex with whoever like that's not who I am and it's okay if it's somebody else but I'm just somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. and it's really messy and that's okay and I think a lot of people actually resonate with that so much more yeah learning to let that go is a never-ending process Mm -hmm. for me Mm -hmm. I literally feel like we're living such parallel lives because i I've been having that identity journey myself as well. And it's hard when you just want to know and be very definitive and to feel like you're unsure. Like I I really am uncomfortable with being unsure. So, you know, that's something that I am exploring and and talking about and figuring out. But it is scary to be like, wait, so then 
what am I and who am I and what do I even like? You know, I realized recently with like even the way that I dress, I, I was wearing like the gray New Balances and this gray workout set with the gold jewelry and a clip. And I literally was like, I low-key hate myself right now. Like, this is not how I want to dress. Like, these shoes are ugly. They are ugly. And I don't care who's wearing them. Like, why did I buy them? And I don't even know what my style is because I'm just, you know, that's like a small surface level example of feeling like you don't know yourself. I love that you're talking about this because the style things same. I mean, like I have written, who am I? Like that is, I don't know. Let me get to know her. And I'm, I also want to commit myself because I've gotten to know myself so much more and I've, I've made such a progress in the past three years. But right now, recently, I've been working on my style <laughs> because when I was in LA, I truly dressed like I didn't care. Also the state, mental state I was in, I think. But the other day I went on a trip with one of my girlfriends and she looked at me and she's like, wow, you've really like up-leveled your style. Like you just have like a unique style that's yours. And it was, I called her yesterday. I was like, you know, that compliment was like one of the best compliments that somebody's ever given me because I too, especially in LA, it's like the cool girl. I don't dress like a cool girl. Like that's not my, I'm not that trendy. I feel like I'm more classic. I've always been like a little bit more modest conservative dressing like my mom would get mad at me in high school she's like you have too many cardigans we're not buying another cardigan (laughs) (laughs) you're a teenager you don't have to wear cardigans every day to school I loved it like that's just who I am but I think I was also just like trying on different styles of, of what it is I think also moving to Nashville has helped me like blossom so much into myself and when she like said that to me I was like Oh my gosh, thank you. Because I feel yeah. like I have found what my style is and like owning it. Yeah. And yeah, so I totally get it. Cause it's like you see everybody in the which I kind of like new balances, but they're they're kind of ugly. They're for sure. I like they're comfortable, but the gray they're ones comfortable. That's the, the gray thing. ones so- I don't like. Like I, I look and I see someone with the white and the navy blue. Like that's but honestly, no, I'm I'm still lying to myself. I'm an athlete, I'm a sporty shoe girl. I've never been of the like chunky grandpa shoe vibe. And Hannah, I love that story because that is so true. When someone just says something and you're like, oh my God, and you don't know how hard I've been maybe working on this thing or how validating that is. So validating. And I was like, I know it's so silly, but finding my style is like, yeah, just a representation of like me finding myself mm-hmm. and being okay with that. And I love Nora. She's one of my best friends. She's the life coach. And she's like, yeah, I'm really trying to figure out what my style is too. And she's also like on her own journey. So I think that's totally something that really shows like where you're at and your Right. This is like figuring out what type of shoes you like. I feel like I'm very, I kind of dress like a grandma, but like a like cottage core grandma, but also wants to be comfortable. <laughs> I don't I know. I, I need to work on the type, like what I yeah. call my style. But well, it's yeah, very cute. It really I can't awesome. that if that's what it is, then I like it and you rock it. And that's another thing is like, finding it and liking it because you like it and not because other people like it. I'm also a people pleaser. I don't want to say I run on validation from others because it's so funny. Like I didn't, I had this big breakthrough in my life. Like my crisis happened at like 18, 19. And I was like, fuck that. I'm going to do whatever I want and be myself and be real. And then I was like, 
oh my God, people like me for that. I'm going to be the realest person that there is. I'm going to be the most mental health pro advocate that there is. And then you start having to be perfect in the sphere of like the new thing that you're being. And when you mentioned the compliment from your friend, Nora, it made me think of recently, I, I sat down with Hannah Burner. I love her. And she said to me, I love your content because I just never know what to expect. And I was like, oh my God. I said that just did so much for me because I sit in my head, like my content's too sporadic. It's too all over the place. I need to get back to a niche. People are going to unfollow me if I keep posting about this, this, and that. And she said, I like following you because I never know what you're going to post, you know? So just it validated, it like validated the work that you've done. We're going to take a quick break to talk about AG1. I am obsessed with AG1. I drink it every single morning. I am not super good with a morning routine, but what I am very good with is making sure that I take AG1 every single morning. AG1 is a daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it because I don't like to stress a lot about making sure I get certain vitamins or nutrients or vegetables throughout my day. As an intuitive eater, I go with the flow and sometimes the flow doesn't incorporate making sure I get all those nutrients. So when I drink AG1 at the start of my day, I basically check that mental box of great. I've given my body some of the most important nutrients it needs to have success. I am so thrilled that AG1 has been such a loyal sponsor of RealPod because I love it so much and there's nothing more that I love than working with the brands I use every single day. So AG1 is giving RealPod listeners a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com slash RealPod. That's drink ag1.com slash real pod to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. That's drinkag1.com slash real pod to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. One of the biggest things that I learned at the beginning of therapy, it's like, and I think because my brother had just kind of gone through, like it was obvious, like he had an addiction. And I'm like, everybody has, like, what was my addiction? I, I wrote down that. And my addiction was validation from other people. I needed it every day. I needed to hear somebody say that I was pretty. I needed to hear them say how hard I worked. I needed them to think I was so cool. I wanted them to think I was smart, but also like quirky. Like I, I needed that so bad. And I, it was like these hits, constantly. like, I always do this. Like, uh, like it was like, I needed that like validation right. hit it, I to, to go on. And so when that went away and people are saying other things about me, I just freaked out because I didn't know how to handle it because that's all I had like lived for. That was the best thing that's ever happened to me because I don't anymore. I really don't. At that point, I'm like the worst things I've ever done said, then everyone has witnessed. I literally have nothing to hide. Like at all. You're like, come into my house and look under every cupboard. <laughs> You're not going to find like, there's nothing in the closet that I'm like shoving down. Like mm-hmm. Everybody's seen it. This is who I am. It's so in a weird way. It's so freeing because like, it's like, you can think whatever you want to of me. I just get to be myself. And I have really got out of that people pleasing stage in my life. I still care. Of course, I still care what other people think. I want people to 
not even like me, but find value in anything that I like put out there. It's not even like about you want to like, feel purposeful and, and impactful. And that's human. And, and yeah, that's huge. And that's like great that I can even notice the difference of that. So yeah, still on that journey. But that's like I said, when you hit a rock bottom like that, and like your identity is so shaken to go on the process, like on the journey of working through that has been so great. Like, I honestly feel truly like my best self now. And that's really cool to say, but it was a really hard few years. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people like ask me about therapy, like, oh, I'm scared. I'm like, I'm not going to lie. Like it gets hard before it gets better Yeah, because you're having to like open up a lot of things that there's a reason why you forgot and or shoved it down so much and and had these different parts of you that have helped been a, a coping mechanism or a defense mechanism and getting through all that is is really tough and I've definitely struggled with depression my whole life and anxiety and like it it was dark yeah. for a while but on the other side it's been so beautiful and yeah, I'm just really think I'm thankful for all the bad and the hard because I don't know if I would be in this place without it. Mm-hmm. Even if everything was like perfect and none of the crap that I did or was happened to me, I wouldn't be the same person. I kind of I really like where I'm at now and how I can help people. Yeah, it all it all makes you stronger. The stuff that we go through. Yeah. I mean, it's like I was just talking about this with Rain Wilson. If someone never experienced adversity or struggles or trauma. Imagine that person at like 25. They wouldn't be dynamic. They wouldn't be wise. They wouldn't be self-aware. They wouldn't be grown emotionally. And so I think that's where I've been learning to find gratitude for the hard shit that like we go through or that we experience. I did want to ask you about body image because I know you've been open about disordered eating in the past. And I had a binge eating disorder and body image issues. And so when you say you're at such a good place now, I'm curious if when you were in the trenches, was food and body image a part of that? And where are you at now with your relationship with your body? Yes, it definitely was because I I felt like I had no control of my body. When I started out on Bachelor, that was kind of in that time, I was not eating enough for sure. I was Miss Alabama, USA and competing in Miss USA. And even that whole journey was really hard, but like my body and when I got small was when I won. And so I was like, oh, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep this. And I, I got small, for like a breakup. And I remember a pageant coach was like, well, there's no better skinny than breakup skinny. And then I won and I'm like, oh gosh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to maintain this. Like I didn't do anything for this to happen other than be really sad. And so that during that time, I would say definitely not healthy. And that's how people like began to like follow my journey publicly. And yeah, so through that, I started gaining weight back, but then my, my hormones, like my body freaked out. And to say that it didn't bother it, it was really hard. And that I didn't go to extremes, but like it didn't work. My body, like it, it was really hard to not like have any control and not understand. And, and then like work with trainers that are like, okay, eat this amount of calories like you should be and then if you do that you'll definitely be losing like a pound a week and then you're not and then you're like I don't know mm-hmm. so my journey of how I'm in the best place now was finally like finding people like 
doctors to help me, especially like my OBGYN and like my hormone health and figuring out what was going on. And I, I mean, I think a lot of people have PCOS, a lot of people have PCOS and, but mine I do. was kind of, yeah, it had really just taken over and I didn't know how to help myself feel better. I, Cause I didn't, it wasn't like gaining weight and feeling like, oh, this is where my body's supposed to be. It was like, I feel so heavy. I felt like I was wearing like a, it was discomfort. It was discomfort. It wasn't like freeing myself because like I said, I think I was like, what is going on? I can't just eat healthy or, or work out. Like my body was so inflamed. So working on that really has helped me get to a good place. Now I'm very honest about this too. It is a struggle for me because even now after working with my doctors and I had like a functional medicine doctor, I worked with Dr. Amen for my mental health because a lot of it was also like I was super depressed and working through that has helped me get to the place that I am now. But I also like fear like, oh gosh, what if I don't have control again? Like, what if I gain weight and I, it's not because I'm eating different. It's not because I'm not working out. It was truly like, I didn't know how to control it. That is really hard for me. And I've been talking about, you know, maybe working with the nutritionist. Well, it's funny that you want to find the control to control, not losing control. But yes, that is, you know, what's worked for me at least is releasing the desire to control everything and mm-hmm. then being able to have that dialogue with my body about what I'm hungry and what I'm craving and what I want. And you actually are in the most control ever because you're allowing yourself to have autonomy over the decisions as opposed to that like diet culture voice in your head separating you from it and saying, you can't have thoughts, feelings, or cravings. You listen to me and the calorie count and what we can eat and what we can't eat. Do you relate to that? No, because it wasn't about even the eating. It was more like my body, like the bloat, the inflammation. That was really hard for me. Not like feeling like, like when I was working with a trainer, we tried more restriction to see what would happen and it didn't change. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I'm trying to do this healthy. I'm trying to like, just like be in tune with my body. And I don't know how to be in tune with my body. Got it. But I think there's a real manifestation in the body of trauma. And that was really what I was struggling with as well. Like as soon as I've like really started working on, on that and then also going to the doctors and like figuring out like my hormones were so messed up and it made me feel like I wasn't crazy. Like I felt like I was crazy. Like I don't know what's going on and I want to be like in my body with my body, but it feels like it doesn't like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm trying to to support it, but I don't know how. And yeah. And then, so of course, with the background of, you know, struggling with that and now to just be like, okay, I feel better, but have like a maintenance of how to feel like stay in this space. I still feel like having a nutritionist for me and having support in that way is like a next step. Mm -hmm. I almost wonder if your body was in some sort of survival mode with the pandemic and with what your mental health was experiencing. Like your body is just trying to keep you alive. It's going to be regulated and have a reaction because you clearly, as you said, you know, weren't well and feeling well. So, you know, everything's related. Was working on your mental health something that helped your body 
start feeling like it was working for you again? What have been the big things that have helped you get back to like an aligned place? 1000%. Like I said, I went to Dr. Anan and did like the whole brain scan thing. And even me getting to that was, it's kind of hilarious and shows where I'm at. Like my publisher of my book was like, I think you should talk to this doctor. And I'm like, oh yeah, my god, You gosh, submit your that. book copy and they're like, so we want you to get a brain scan because we just read this. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. This is, yeah, maybe this will work on this. And it's a very comprehensive thing when you work with him. So it's not just, it's, you work on your sleep, you work on your digestive system. And that was like so out of whack. And you work with him just on your brain health. So it, there's a lot of different things that you're working on at once. And when we got my markers back for like the inflammation in my body, it was crazy. Like my histamine levels and like what releases your body when you have like a, a sting, like a, a bee sting or something that that's, that's like the inflammation and what histamine is like. It was like my body was being attacked by that. And that's what it felt like. I just felt so inflamed at all times, like my body hurt. So once we figured all that out, also started like found an OBGYN that was like, okay, I have like a few th- other things kind of going on too. And so that was a big, big part of it, changing my diet to like lower my levels of histamine and realizing that a lot of the foods that I ate every single day, not that they're bad foods, no food is bad, but they were foods that, you know, are even considered like so good for you were causing higher histamine levels. Was it related to dancing with the stars and like the strain that took on your body? That's like, definitely that hurt my body a lot. And I was super inflamed in that. I wear size eight and a half. I was wearing a size 11 by then because of how just inflamed my feet were. So definitely, I think had some residual stuff still going on from that. And then just trauma and my body had it hurt for a really long time. And then kind of got worse with, I think my mental health not being in the best place. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you feel like you're at such a good place now because it Mm -hmm. really does sound like, and you did go through the ringer emotionally, mentally, physically. And I think the biggest thing everyone can take from it is just the recognition of this isn't me. This isn't how I know my body is supposed to feel. Also not convincing yourself you're dramatic or you're lying to yourself, but really mm-hmm. listening to everything and all the signs and then making a plan, seeking help and trying to get yourself to a better place. And then look, here you are at a better place with everything that you learned you know, through the process. The last thing I want to ask you just before we go, because I think this is powerful and we don't get to talk about it a lot, is loving someone who has an addiction. I think that's something a lot of people experience. I experience that. It's not talked about a lot. So anything that you've learned or that helps you love someone who you know you can't control as well? I know. Sorry to be like, squeeze that in with five minutes. No, I feel like at first with my brother, I definitely was really hard on him. Like, why why are you acting this way? Before I knew like how serious it was, just growing up, he was... Like I was like the good girl. He was definitely a wild child doing all the things. And I would just get so frustrated. I'm like, you're making bad decisions. Why are you doing this? And I wanted to like talk him into changing or convince him to change. You cannot convince or make someone, especially who has an addiction, you cannot change them. They have to make that decision. And unfortunately, and 
fortunately, it took my brother being on like almost dying to to hit his rock bottom to decide to change. But it's always being there and being there, open arms, ready to help. But I think for me, what was so hard is I wanted to change him. I wanted him to see there was a different way. I wanted him to to be out of pain because I'm like, these decisions are what are causing you pain. But it took him really wanting to change. And I think, honestly, it was all like a cry for help in some way. Like, I think him getting to rock bottom of being on a ventilator was like, okay, I I can stop now, almost. Mm -hmm. And he's doing great. I'm really proud of him. He's super open about, you know, his, his story and him still recovering from that and making decisions of where he should and shouldn't be and who he should and shouldn't hang out with. And it was really tough on the whole family, but it also made us a lot stronger in the end of like how to support and be there. But I feel for anybody that is on the other side of, I know what it's like to like watch somebody hurt and their choices are making them hurt even more. But you know, all you can do is be there with open arms saying, I love you. I'm here for you when you're ready. It's so powerful. I like love you. I loved you before we even did this interview because you just seem so cool and authentic and you are the exact same, if not like 10 times everything because you're just so cool. And I really appreciate all of your honesty and everything you talked about. And uh, I feel like I learned so much and felt so seen in a lot of what you were saying. So Hannah, thank you. It's been an absolute honor to have you on RealPod and I'm super grateful that you took the time. So thanks, babe. No, thank you so much. And I think the the biggest thing I can say for anybody that's struggling with like mental health, body image, addiction, it's like, if you hear from my story, it's the support and having support, whether that's from family, friends, some type of community that you can join or, you know, doctors, finding people that are going to support you along the way, because you need somebody that's looking from the outside who has your best interest to kind of guide you along the way. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, been a big part of my journey and how I continue to get better because I am have a long way to go and all the things that we talked about, but how I've gotten to this place that I feel really good is through the support mm-hmm. and, and choosing and finding people that are going to lead you to becoming a better, healthier, stronger version of yourself. Yeah. Those people in our life are angels. We are only what we are because of the people who love us, right? And we can be that for them too. Thank you so much, Hannah. I appreciate it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind the scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.
please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.